most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Mrs. Jones Yes <laughs> I'm not doing that Podcast with me, Will hmm? <laughs> Wisdom to share hmm? Can you please be normal? <laughs> okay, sorry If you're going to be a Star Wars character, at least be Princess Leia <laughs> No Circa Yoda, Return of the, the Jedi <laughs> Yoda rocks It's fairly late on yeah, a Sunday night I'm in my pajamas Yes And it feels great in our house, doesn't it? Yes, it I mean, do you mean like air quality wise I mean like or just peacefulness? It feels wise. really peaceful and still. It does. I hope wherever you are listening to this, you have an equal sense of peace. Of course, your peace might be ruined by my wife doing Yoda impersonations. <laughs> I'm sure that's not going to be the case. I'll just intersperse them throughout the podcast and then that way people will feel like it's a normal part of the podcast. Okay. I'm, I can see I'm going to have my editing work <laughs> cut out for me this evening. <laughs> So how the heck are you, Mrs. Jones? I feel like I've um, missed out on large parts of the week with you. Well, that's what happens when you fly away. Fly away, fly boy. But I um, came back. You did. Tell me about your week. Uh, good week. Uh, taught on sonship on year two, which is probably one of my new favorite teachings. And it seems to be a new favorite teaching from everybody who's heard it. Yes. Uh, it seems to be going over well. I think because it's um, more encouraging than looking at orphan behavior versus son's behavior. It's like stages of maturing. No matter where you're at, um, it's okay to be where you are and it's okay to talk to God about any place you might be stuck and uh, be able to head forward. So I think it's a more uh, positive kind of um, view of sonship. As opposed to our orphans versus son teaching. Right, because it kind of feels, it's. I mean, it can be very black and white. You're either orphan or your son, or you're somewhere in between, but it's hard to identify if you might be somewhere in between. Right. So it's a little bit more encouraging. And it also, um, I just think the different stages of sonship really helps and helps helped me as a pastor understand some of what I was seeing um, in people that were getting stuck and just being able to identify, oh, it's okay. You're just at this stage of sonship. And right. actually, I know how to encourage you through that stage of sonship. So for me, it, it actually... It made a big difference, so I think probably that helps as well, because I have a lot of hope as I'm teaching it. And while you were teaching on sonship, I was teaching on practical life skills, or how to be utterly awesome in everyday life. Yes. I always get a giggle when I teach on how to handle humans. Like, here's an instruction manual for other people in your life. But you kind of need that. Yeah, I do. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Good Lord, on any given day, human behavior amuses me. Instruction you need. Mm. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I won't. Oh, that's the last time. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. You're adorable. You're weird. <laughs> Monday night, I had the challenge handed to me that we were we were on a uh, negativity fast. How's your negativity fast going, babe? <laughs> yeah, negativity fast. They suck. <laughs> I think we're supposed to fast being negative, oh, not, not feast on Oh, it. I'm enjoying it immensely. I find uh, I struggle the most when I'm driving. Do you? Yeah. Is that because you have a low tolerance for bad drivers? I do. Very low. Very, very low. Well, that's good. God's teaching you to be gracious. It's bad when MJ says things from the back seat, like, Mommy, does he not know, not know what color of green that is? And the reason he's saying that is because I will say things like, <laughs> are you waiting for a particular shade of green before you start going? So, so. yeah, uh, if you're having that much fun, imagine what it was like me speaking on the election on Monday night while on a negativity fast. Yes, tricky. And I was about to say something negative, but I'm catching myself. Look at that. <laughs> Good job. And then I flew up to Toronto on Wednesday. Wednesday night, I flew up. You t- did. Taught Thursday and Friday and flew back Friday night. You saw my people. I did. Well, I saw some of your people. Mm-hmm. Many people were away. I know. How dare they? I know. Um, but I do want to say hello to Laura. Laura Woodley Osman. It was so lovely to see you. If you. Laura, I love you. If you haven't heard any of Laura's music, you're missing out seriously. She's... Fantastic. Oh, she's amazing. So if, anointed. If you were to look at my iTunes play count, Laura Woodley's CDs would be astronomically high. Yeah. A large portion of the last 10 years of my soaking life has been to Laura Woodley. Yeah. So it was lovely to see you, Laura. I'm sorry I interrupted. I walked into the middle of a meeting you were having and then stole the person you were having a meeting with because we got to have lunch with Ben and Sarah, but I can't talk about that because you'll be mad. What were you teaching on? I was teaching on boundaries. And the, and the poor souls, I had two days and eight sessions with them. Oh, so, yeah, no, morning and afternoon on 
a brand new concept and a brand new way of doing life. And I forgot that it's such a multicultural school that there's all these people from, you know, English is a second language mm -hmm. for many of them. Mm -hmm. But they did great. They they leaned in and asked great questions. So I loved that and then flew home. Oh, good. You did. What do you mean, oh, good? <laughs> you, did, you did. You were there. Remember you picked me up at midnight. But it took forever. You were supposed to fly in at nine something. I know, but we're fine about that because we're, we're on a positivity feast. Feast. Yeah. Feast. Yeah. I, uh, I, I loved staying up until midnight. You, you can't just say that with sarcasm oh. and say, well, I said the words. <laughs> um, yeah. It was nice to have you home. Oh, thank you. Especially since you got up early on Saturday morning and let me sleep in. Well, I, I had no choice. Really? Yeah, you kicked me out of bed. I did? Yeah, you did. Just with your heel. Really? Yeah. I took that to mean, you're the best husband in the world. Please get out of bed. I adore you. And so I thought, oh, that's nice words of affirmation in the form of kicks to the small of my back. <laughs> I'll have to try that again next week then. <laughs> I, I thought it was like Morse code that you were tapping out. I love you. You are amazing. Please feed the children. <laughs> well, they did. They hadn't seen you in days, so. Um, two days. They, they probably loved it. Yeah. Three, darling. Three. Depends how you count. Yeah, if you count days or whatever you're counting. <laughs> but then Saturday we had the M&A picnic in the park, which I have to say was amazing. I'm not one for outdoors, but I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was fantastic. We played um, Nine in the Air. Yeah, well, I love that game. You didn't play. I know, but I was trying to sound like I was athletic and sporty for oh, once. you are. We played Nine in the Air, which is apparently the same thing as four square or four on the floor or something like that but you just kind of volley the ball up in the air needless to say i'll put none of this in the show notes because i don't have a clue what you're talking about in the show notes or you're cutting it out of the actual podcast <laughs> no i'll leave it in the podcast because i'm sure some people will connect with you like, okay. oh yeah we know that that's apparently if you google four in the air or okay. no nine in the air you'll see it and that was my point yeah um saturday night we got to go on a date and we got to see Jack Reacher. We did. And in I really IMAX. liked it. Jack Reacher 2. In IMAX. Yes. That screen is enormous. I know that's an understatement. It was enormous. And the sound of people's bones breaking was pretty disturbing. It was classic Jack Reacher. You know, he's kind of a bad dude. Yeah. But I liked it. I liked the story. I actually liked this one better than the first one. Good. I just realized I started the podcast in my contemplator and there's no easy way to bridge from being contemplative to being an influencer. So excuse me for a second while I leave. <laughs> and now I'm coming back. Hey everybody, what's going on? <laughs> there you go. There's my influencer. It's up a little bit. So if you're listening to this on the way in and you're like, why does Alan sound so soporific? It's because I'm quite tired, but now I'm completely awake. Thanks to my wife's brilliant... Yoda impersonations. Thank you. You're so welcome. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot to ask you, I, literally, we haven't really talked because as soon as we got back, we hit the floor running. So what did you do while I was away in Toronto? I, uh, well, I had a great day. I'm trying to think. Wednesday, normal meetings, put kids to bed, uh, watch TV. Um, Thursday, worked on our presentation uh, that happened this morning. Yeah, let's for, talk about that. Okay. Talk about what we're doing. Um, well, we're revamping, overhauling, renovating our uh, new children's wing. So Gray Center uh, is in a old school building and we had been renting out part of the building, a large portion of the building to a, a school that um, existed to help kids with learning differences. So they, they moved out in the summer and we got that space back. And so uh, it's an enormous amount of space that's available to renovate. And what we're doing is renovating uh, all of it for the children's wing. So we're going to have, you know, brand new preschool area, um, children's auditorium, grade school area, breakout rooms, playroom, like just all kinds of craziness. And it's really exciting because it's, it, I think it's one of the first, first, areas at Gray Center where we can be intentional with our scope rather than inheriting, you know, what we have, basically massaging what we want to do within the existing confines. Right. It's, it's a new chapter at Gray Center. Yeah. And I love it. You, I, I thought you did a great presentation this morning. Thanks, babe. Ma I'm super excited. And, 
and that was great taking people on a tour of this old building. But mm-hmm. good lord, it was it was hard to breathe down it there. It smells horribly. Yeah. I mean, it it needs renovating. It's not it's not like we can just throw paint on that bad boy no. and use it. I mean, it it something's it, it needs significant renovation. So, um, the great thing is the structure is great. You know, the outside walls and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really excited. We met with a company called Worlds of Wow this week, um, who kind of kidify the space for lack of a better word. They, um, theme everything so that it feels like it's designed for children. So we're really, really excited about the project. And And you love it because you get to tap into all your architectural space designy thing. Yeah. Yeah, my dad was an architect and I worked in his office in the summers and stuff. And um, I I love that. I love plans and I can visualize it quite easily and stuff. So I'm I'm loving all of it. All right. Our topic for this week. I didn't get to tell you about my weekend. Okay. <laughs> On Friday, I made blender bread. Is that why I just ate? Yeah. Okay. It's made from cashews and eggs. You know why most bread coconut flour. <laughs> you know why most bread isn't made from nuts and eggs? <laughs> well just um, unless you want to eat something that tastes like a kitchen sponge, <laughs> I would suggest making it. What's toasted kitchen sponge? So it's crispy and then moist. It's it, like It is, but it's grain free and my yeah. stomach doesn't react to it at all. But it it tastes disgusting. It's not awesome, but it's not too bad. I, I don't mind it. But I don't want to give myself to eating stuff that can be described as it's not awesome and it's not too bad. Well, okay. I enjoy it as much as I enjoy anything like Ezekiel bread or any of the it's gluten-free breads. Ezekiel bread is like eating... Toenails in e- bread. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just love it. Oh, that- wait. Positivity fast. A feast yummy toenails and bread <laughs> yeah what are we going to do about this i'm so sorry know. if you're on a negativity pass skip this episode yeah, we're doing we're our trying best. it's really late at night it's late at night and, and um, we've had a busy week so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be on it tomorrow I'm sorry we're gonna be so enthusiastic we're gonna be so positive tomorrow it's gonna eradicate today okay that's good. how it works yeah. isn't it oh yeah yeah oh yeah should we move on to our actual topic for this week? Okay, I just wanted you to know that I had a nice couple of days. I'm I'm thrilled, baby. Okay. That's awesome. I'm glad lots you had of a great girl couple time. of days. You had girl time? I had lots of girl time. Okay, good. Yeah, it was good. Is that why you had your hair all curly when you met me at the airport? Yes. I was like, why don't you have time to do your hair? Because my beautiful friend, neighbor, Lauren, came over and curled my hair for me. Did she happen to leave three curling irons behind? No, those are mine. You have three curling irons? No. I don't have three curling irons. I have one straightening iron, one small curling iron, and one large curling iron. (laughs) (laughs) I stand corrected. Thank you. I guess it's like me having a laptop, an iPad, and an iPhone. Yeah. You have three devices? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I just don't leave them all on the kitchen counter. Yes, you have. I guess there's a difference. You've definitely left all your devices in the kitchen counter before. You realize I can mute your side of the conversation. (laughs) Cheating you are. Our topic for this week is money. Wow. I know. Well, I was teaching on it a little bit this week, and I th- I looked through our index page on the website to look at all the episodes, because we're now in our 125th episode, and I've forgotten what really? we have talked about and what we haven't. Let's face facts. We're, we're, we're never going to be able to... Oh, that was a negative. Let's face facts. In all likelihood, we are going to revisit topics again. But right now, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that we're not boring people. Right. But we haven't talked about money. We, I mean, the topic of money has come up, but as a main topic, no. Okay. We have never. Oh, that's exciting. So I was thinking there's, there was a bunch of things that we could talk about. There's so many wide ranging things, principles, etc. Okay. regarding money, but I've narrowed it down to three. Excellent. Because I think for us, they've been the three that have produced the most fruit in our lives. And it's nearly 10 o'clock at night. And also none of them are negative. Oh, good. All right. Three principles yeah. regarding money. Okay. I'm going to say the words and you're going to talk to me about them. Oh. Yeah, because in my show notes, it just says three things. I, oh. I haven't actually written anything down, which okay. we rarely ever do anyway. But it, so first principle, I say tithing to you and you say what? I think it's a fantastic idea. Look at you and your positivity feast. Thank you. It's 10% well spent. I think it's interesting that as teachers and preachers... Mm-hmm. We'll cover an awful lot of controversial material. Yes. But none yields greater pushback in the spirit when we're speaking on it, in my opinion, than tithing 
and maybe women in ministry, but probably tithing predominantly. Yeah. And I think it's hysterical that we worship and follow an amazingly generous God that we want to be like. But it feels like some Christians want to fight over 10%. Yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it? I wonder if it's wild because it's not theoretical for us. It's something that has been proven in our life to be astonishing. Like it, it's absolutely true that we have found that the 90% goes way further than the 100% could. And that's just bad math. It doesn't make sense. Right. God's good at bad math, though. Yeah, he always runs up. Yeah. But what's funny is I think... In the discussions of, I don't know what's at the, I don't know what's at the root of it. Like we'll, we'll probably fear, but that doesn't make sense. You're trusting your life to the Lord. You're you're trusting your the, eternity, your eternity to the Lord. Why would you not trust Him with your finances? I don't know. I I'm trying to think. Like I I mean I didn't always tithe. Um, I didn't start tithing until probably I got pretty serious about the Lord, and then I started hearing messages on tithing, and I thought, huh. Well, I guess I'll try that. Uh, and started just started tithing ten percent right away. And I've I know people that um, you know, started trying with five percent to begin right. with or whatever and um totally cool. But um I started with ten percent because that's what somebody told me to do. And in in that one year, I think I got promoted eight times at work. I was like, Okay, well there you go. Um, but that was you know, that was years and years and years ago. And I think it's not even in our heads that that 10% would ever get touched by us. I think Karis or Ben, my sister or brother-in-law, we were at the church or they said it to us or they tweeted it out. Well, I thought it was a brilliant line that you don't you don't give a tithe to God. You return a tithe. It's already his. You can't give something to somebody when it already belongs to them. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We've never considered that 10% hours to begin with. It's right. the thing that comes off the top. I wonder if in response to my earlier, I can't understand why Christians have a problem with tithing, it's probably, I would imagine, mostly to do with the delivery that they've heard it. Like I've heard some shocking, shockingly bad oh, yeah. tithing messages. So have I. Which is hugely abusive and doesn't serve scripture very well. Or hugely manipulative. Right. Yeah. And so maybe the maybe the apprehension is from the control and manipulation that's been said. Yeah, it's but possible. I so tithing, if you're not familiar with it, is giving the first ten percent of everything you make and giving it to the Lord. And in my understanding, it's giving it to your local church where you get fed. Yes, I don't think it's for giving away to other parachurch organizations i think it goes directly where you where you eat your local church where you get fed is yeah i mean you can give extra away to parachurch and whatever but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second um i th- i think babe like when you think about i do think it's fear um that keeps a lot of people from tithing and i think it's fear that they won't have enough and i think that stems from actually just not knowing how good god is or how big he is, or how faithful he is, or what a good dad he is. Because if you don't know any of those things, then you're kind of in it on your own. And That's giving true. away 10% of your salary seems like insanity. All right, I backtrack my intense reaction. Okay. And given I'm on a negative too fast, I, I make another mark in my checkbook. for. I, I, I think for me, it's just a funny thing, because it's always been clear for me in Scripture. And more than that, it has produced incredible dividends in my life not that that's what it's about but but honestly it's just obedience to the to the lord right and i i i love it mm-hmm. do you know who do you know who really impresses me and fascinates me who is rick warren okay so rick warren writes the purpose-driven life i think i'm accurate in saying this that it's the most um published book or most sold copies apart from the bible Wow. Which is astonishing. Okay. And I was watching an interview with him. I'll try and put a show, show note. I'll try and put a link in the show note to it. I think it was an interview with John Piper where he was talking about what happens when you write the most published book in the world except for the Bible. And he said, it's just tens of millions of dollars begin flowing through your hands. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, two things happen. He said, you become insanely wealthy and then you have incredible influence. And he said, I was actually more scared about dishonoring the Lord through the misuse of influence than I was about the misuse of finances. And he said, in part, because before I ever had millions of dollars flowing through my hands, I, a long time ago, I settled 
this issue with the Lord that it, by the grace of God it had never been an issue I'd struggled with. And he said, my wife and I have never, I think he said never given less than 20% in our whole life. I think that's right, wow, or 12%. Awesome. It was something like that. It was above the 10%. And he said, you know, we just started out at 10 and just worked up and we've never given below 20%. And I think, again, I'm correct. Anyway, the, the point was he'd just been tithing and then some. So when the money came, it wasn't an idol to him. And he just spent it on behalf of people who had no influence is what he said. Wow. And I loved that. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get to the point where money has no control over you? And what I love about tithing is every month we get to punch fear in the throat. Yeah. We get to really practically step out in faith and go, okay, yes, we could do with that money. We could see how that money could be used to help our family or pay off debt or be put into savings or whatever. Right. But we get to just pre-decide, no, it's where our confidence and our faith is in God. There you go, God. And, and I love that. I love that real feeling about tithing. Me too. What do you think about people who say, I've tried tithing and it doesn't work? <laughs> I mean, what do I think about them? No, I think uh, what, I mean that. I don't, I don't know how, I guess it would, how long did you try for it? I don't, I don't understand trying it anyway, because in my mind, it's just an, an act of obedience. It's, it's something that the Lord uh, is, you know, it, it, you know, it's mandated in scripture. It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It, it predates the, um, the Old Covenant. It's not part of that. I've heard that argument, but it's not actually part of the Old Covenant. And, you know, Jesus even talked about it, didn't say stop doing it. You know, so it is New Testament as well. And I just think it's it's wisdom to do it. And my thought is, you know, really anything in life, if you just give it a try, there's probably a limited success rate on trying anything. I tried going to the gym and I didn't get a six pack. Right. So uh, you you got to go into anything like you're going in for the long haul. Well, it's that whole thing of, it, you know, I, did, I tried tithing and it didn't work. I was like, no, you gave 10% a few times. Yeah. That's different from the lifestyle of giving. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I realize I'm sounding quite sharp and like I have an edge and I totally don't mean to. So I, I apologize if that's the way it's coming across. I'd rather be encouraging rather than snarky. And I, I fear I'm being a bit snarky. So if that's the case, I, I absolutely apologize for that. It's probably for my cashew bread. Sorry, babe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just ate a toasted sponge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now well he's a me. little grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> mm, is this fermented kitchen sponge? <laughs> Only nuts and eggs, you say. You'd never have told. So tithing. Tithing is a no-brainer. Yeah. L- love tithing. Huge fan of tithing. Yeah. Let's talk about the second principle. Giving. You know what I used to think? Like, I've tithed as as long as I can remember, really. I mean, that's not strictly true, but my tithing predates anything of sincerity with the Lord really mm-hmm. because I, I was taught that but once I gave the Lord the 10% I was so stingy with the 90% it was ridiculous I was like you have your 10% don't you dare ask for my 90% and I could just be icy cold when offerings came up because I just thought nope this is my 9% I've already given my 10% it's mine mine uh, yeah <laughs> and that stinginess that fear, I think it is, fear of lack, fear of not having enough. And I, of the many miracles God's done in my life, I think one of the things I'm most grateful for is the Lord lavishing me with his kindness and in doing so teaching me that when I am, when I give, I'm most like my father. Mm. And so I have loved I love that we have part of our budget set aside to give yeah. on top of our tithe. Yeah. Now, the, like anything we talk about in the podcast, I struggle with the fact that we're being vulnerable because I'd hate for this to be about us. Not that I... Actually, you know what? I'm going to stop apologizing. Nobody's making you listen to this podcast. You do each <laughs> week, so you probably don't care. <laughs> so I, I, love, I love that we have a giving budget yeah. on top of a tithing budget. Mm-hmm. And... I think your gifts, once the tithe has been given to your local church, I think your gifts get to go wherever you want. And what would you say the ratio is of when the Holy Spirit tells us to give or directs our giving versus when we just want to give? Uh, Gosh, I don't don't know. I don't think I've ever really thought about it. I mean, so some things are just giving in small ways. Like if we see anybody who's 
in the armed forces or police or firemen or whatever, if we can buy their food or buy their, you know, whatever, that's just, you know, just generosity being, being generous people, right. Just super fun. But it, you know, I suppose that's termed as giving. Right. Um, but then we also have like scheduled things that we give to. Right. I, I just think back in my days when I wouldn't give unless the Holy Spirit prompted me to give. Right. Now, like, for example, we have, what date is our offering coming up? Oh, on November 20th. Okay, so now, November 20th, we're going to be taking up a one-time offering to bring in all the money we need to do our children's ministry, somewhere in the region of half a million dollars. Yes. And I already am so excited about giving. So I'm, I'm, what happens is I usually get so excited about giving that I need to be it takes a while for me to be talked out of what I want to do. So like I leaned over to you this week and, and with wild crazy, I was like, mm-hmm. babe, this is what I want to give to this. And you're like, let's talk about that. Shall we? <laughs> and uh, so, I'm actually fine with what you want to give to it. You are? Yeah. Okay, great. Between the two of us, we don't need both kidneys. Right. Right. Yeah. But I, like what I find is this, <laughs> this percolating joy in my heart about the thought of getting to give and this, this delight. And, I heard, I forget who told me this, but I, I loved it. I was teaching on it this week about your tithe protects your finances, but your giving determines your... Increase. Increase. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And we found that to be true. Like, because I'm a nerd, I actually charted our giving, not our tithing. So take the tithe off the table. The tithe just happens anyway. Right. But one year I just, I kept track of what we gave. And then another column in a spreadsheet, I kept track of what we received right and some of that is monetary and some of it is uh other oh yes like upgrades and gifts yeah. and surprises yeah. and and i think i averaged that i think it was something like a 1400 percent return on quote-unquote investment i'm pretty sure you can't get that in the banking world i i have just seen time and time again that the proportion that we are moved in our hearts to give results in in unexpected blessings. And it's hard to teaching about giving because you end up talking about receiving and that isn't the point. The, the joy is in the giving. Mm-hmm. The receiving a blessing is, it feels like astonishment. Right. And I don't want to get caught in the, well, I'm giving to get. I, I want to give because I feel like my father when I give. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, uh, I think too, like when you think about, um, you were talking about returning the tithe and then that giving giving is what provides the increase that i mean that's malachi right there isn't it or malachi if you're italian right the the italian prophet malachi uh you know where it's just talking about returning the tithe to the lord but it also talks about you know if giving opens the storehouses of heaven where the tithe protects your money right so you know, you give ten percent. That protects your your finances. It protects your your you know life, as it were, uh, financially. Um, but then giving extra is what actually opens the floodgates of heaven. So um, it seems like when there's stuff like that written, it's it's worth taking it out for a test drive. Well, especially <laughs> when it's like test me in this, right? So when you have an opportunity to deliberately test God in something, uh, His invitation, yeah buckle up buttercup yeah i mean i mean seriously what what do you think here's something that we've noticed in our life is Mm. there's like we we budget into our giving giving but then there's another type of giving which is sacrificial giving yeah i realize that's still a deep breath moment in my life it's it doesn't i don't think it's an owie but there's moments where i'm like all right, we're going to go for this, are we? And I quite like that moment in the same way that I would imagine cliff jumpers like the moment when they're at the top of a really scary cliff and thinking, I'm sure I'm going to like this when I survive this, but right now I'm adrenaline's pumping. Right. And I I think the cool thing is we've never not found God faithful in those moments, but it always, it's usually if it's a sacrificial giving it's, you know, it's going to cost you, you know? Right. Um, so you're right. It, it, they, those moments are a little bit like, Oh, 
okay, God. Right. But what's good is usually, I, I can't think of a time when we haven't ended up with the same number to give when it's been like the the big sacrificial ones, you know, where it's like, okay, give me too. Right. Okay. I have to say that is one of the big benefits of being married. No, yeah. no kidding. I mean, there's obvious benefits. Woof, woof. <laughs> but one of the great joys for me is when I was on my own, I just thought, I just I wasn't confident that what I was giving was was smart or wise or I I don't know. Right. So I like it now when we have an opportunity to give when I look at you and go, What what did you get? And you're like, What did you get? And we more often than not come up yeah. with the same number. Yeah. And when we don't what do we what do we tend to do when we don't? Do we We give the bigger one. Or we meet in the middle. Yeah. If one of us is completely out of touch with our financial situation. <laughs> like, uh, babe, we don't actually have that. We don't have $10 million <laughs> to give, but you're adorable. <laughs> well, so you, the first two principles then that we've we've lived by is tithing and is giving. Can I just tell you one other thing that I think is really sure. cool about the whole giving thing? We have some friends who they really feel like at some point in their lives, the Lord is going to allow them to pay off people's mortgages. Oh, I love this story. And so they're like, you know, at this point... That's not something we can do, but what we could do is make a mortgage payment for someone, which would be heading in the direction of what we want to do. I love that. And so, you know, this is a young couple. They're not loaded for Bayer. They're just sort of going, you know, we want to be faithful to um, just head in the direction that we feel like the Lord is going to uh, call us to, to walk faithfully in. Um, so I love that stuff too. Uh, yeah, I love like, that they're showing okay, where God. they want to go. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the time? Because I, I was telling this this week, and I don't think people believe us. I think people think, oh, I don't know what people think, but I love the day that we decided. I forgot who challenged us, but the day we decided to give 11% instead of 10. And do you remember, do you remember that story? I don't. Okay, well, see if I can jog your memory. It okay. was a Saturday night. We were out on a date, and at that point, our budget didn't allow us to do nice things for dates. So what we would do for a date is we would go to Starbucks and get a a, a coffee, and then we would wander mm. around Bed Bath & Beyond or Target or wherever sure. and just look at things that we couldn't afford to buy. Right. And so we'd wander around that. And that particular night, we'd been looking at drapes. Yeah. And we'd been looking at bar stools because we really wanted some bar stools. Oh, yeah. And we'd been in Costco, and we were dreaming about getting a large trampoline for the kids. Right. Do you remember that? Yep. I do. And it's a kind of a bittersweet thing because one, it allows your heart to dream, but then you're also looking at price tags reminding you, <laughs> you don't have money to buy this. And so no problem, no problem at all. And so we go home and I I forget what it was. I had heard a testimony or heard something. Anyway, we ended up being challenged to give 11%. Yeah. And I say challenged. I don't mean the Holy Spirit came and said, yay, my son, give 11%. I just mean we were inspired by other stories of people. So we were like, right, we're... We're going to start writing 11% tithe checks instead of 10%. Yeah. And the first one we did. Now, it's funny because 1% of the 10% you're giving isn't that much. No, but it feels like a lot. Well, if, if, yes. <laughs> so we started and then our neighbors stopped by and say hello. Now, what was interesting about these neighbors is, I think without any sense of a exaggeration, we met them once when they moved in. We took them bags of groceries to say welcome to the neighborhood. Yes. And then literally never saw them again. That's true. For about two, two and a half years. Yeah. And this is the second time we see them. They knock on our door. We don't even know who they are. They have yeah. to explain, oh, we're neighbors. And their opening question is, you guys don't need a trampoline, do you? And we're like, what? And they're <laughs> like, well, we have one of those big round trampolines with a big net and we're moving house and we don't want to bring it. And we just thought we could roll over to your house. Is that something you would like? And we're like, yes, very much so. So we go over to their house and they're taking us through their house into the back garden. And as we're there, they're like, hey, you don't want any bar stools, do you? And they just said, yeah, we're not taking them either. And then so we go out and we look at the um, trampoline. We're like, oh, that's amazing. And she's like, you know, actually, we're leaving. So do you need like drapes, curtains and Patio furniture. Patio furniture, that's right. They gave they us... They gave us so much stuff. And in the space of one afternoon, we ended up with all the stuff, including the sofas that live upstairs in our in our bonus room. True, yeah. Which we, I think we bought for like 150 bucks. That was the only thing yeah. we paid for. Everything else we got given free. And I was yeah. like, Lord, that is spooky. <laughs> like that 1%. And this is the, the revelation the Lord gave me. Alan, you give what you do have, you get what you could never have afforded. And that has been consistent. That has proven true over and over and over and over again. Yeah. 
So anyway, if you're not tithing, I'd really encourage you to tithe. Go listen to some great teaching about tithing. If you are tithing, I'd encourage you to give. And don't wait for the Holy Spirit to lead you into giving. But start by being spontaneous and, and see what that takes you. Spontaneous now, and generous and see what happens. The third thing yeah. is producing money. That's a revelation the Lord started giving us. Yeah. Because we started saying to the Lord, Lord, we, we did not get into ministry for money, but we realize for the things that we would like to do for our kids, we would like to have more income than we currently have. And we don't want to be a drain on the church. We have no expectation that the church is responsible for uh, meeting our lifestyle. We right. believe that God is going right. to. And so one day I just started asking the Lord, Lord, can you help me? Because if I'm honest, my heart was feeling bad that I wanted more money. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Well, I mean. Because there's that verse of scripture that says, you know, I've I've learned to be a base and I've learned to have much, and but I've learned the secret of being content. I think I think the only things that I I find hard is um, when you realize you can't do things, some things for the kids. Like those are the places where I realize, oh, my heart feels sad about that, and I want to do something to enhance our finances so that I so that we can do some extra things for the kids. Right, because I look down the line and I think about school and I think about all that sort of stuff. The other thing is, I think about when when you and I were dating, Yeah, John John and Carol basically funded my life for a year. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had the experiences I had if they hadn't had enough money to fund my life. Right. So there are a bunch of people in our lives that I would love to help fund their dreams and currently cannot. Right. And I'm like, I would, I would love to be in that position. Yeah, same. That'd I, be so fun. That's something I would love to do. And so in the measure that we do have, we're aiming towards that. We're sowing where we want to go. But nevertheless, I, I settled in my heart that I would actually like more money. Mm. And I think I'm okay with that. And I'm happy to be challenged on that. And to my great surprise, the Lord was like, oh, I'd, I'd love to give you more money. And I was like, oh, you would? And the Lord was like, yeah, I, I should give you the power to get wealth. So I was like, okay, Lord, well, that's interesting. How, I know that you give me the power to get wealth. Mm. How does that work? And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, put something in my hand to multiply. Wow. And so that, I, that goes in hands with, I, I think one of the reasons, one of the ways that you produce wealth is you become generous. You give what you do have, you get what you could never have afforded. Mm-hmm. So if you think about our lifestyle, large parts of our lifestyle are funded by the Lord, not by our paycheck. Yes. I, and that's, that's amazing to me. It is amazing. But the other thing is, if we put ideas in the Lord's hand, he generates wealth out of that. Mm-hmm. So we've got friends who are artists or musicians or podcast editors or writers or uh, you know any of those things and I love watching them get commercial success as much as I do watching them get critical success. So mm-hmm. I see people start businesses or I see people think I'm going to try being this and I watch them take a step out and the Lord bless them on that and financially reward them as they go to work on that. Mm-hmm. So I've loved, for example, watching you decide I'm going to write books. Yeah. I've never written books before. I don't even know how that works. I don't know how it would get published. And I'm watching as you step forward, the Lord meets you yeah. and multiplies blessing and uh, us producing teaching material and us, you know, traveling and just saying, okay, Lord, would you give us opportunity to speak and, and go places you know, our gifts are teaching. I'm, I'm not good at dancing. I'm not good at. <laughs> You know, it's not like oh, I can do... Oh, stop. You're great at dancing. I am great at dancing. You but, are. But it's only for you. Oh. It's not like I can do mm-hmm. dancing lessons. Okay, no. guys, I'm going to take an ad out. <laughs> creepy dance lessons offered by uncoordinated You're lump. You're not a creepy dancer or an uncoordinated lump. Babe, on our honeymoon, 
Yes. We called it the sexy dance, but it really was the creepy dance. Yes. And you did manage to remove your big toenail while doing it. And I also managed to cover you in hot candle wax. That's true. So generally speaking, the (laughs) sexy dance has not been that sexy. Okay, I'm not talking about that dance. I'm just talking about if we go to a wedding or whatever, you can actually dance. It's not like your white boy can't dance. No, no. I am most definitely the white boy who can dance. No, I disagree. I know I've seen the white men that can't dance and you're not him. No, no. Inside my head, anytime I'm dancing at a wedding, which is why I never, is I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop it right now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like inside your head, you're doing the white man overbite? Well, no. Inside my head, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm just going to pass out. That's what I'll do. I'll pretend I'm an narcoleptic and I've just fallen asleep on the floor. Collapse. <laughs> pretend I'm asleep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't know all that was going on, but you're All not a bad dancer. No. Well. You're going to have to trust me. I don't, not in that area. I think that's okay. your one area of confusion. No, you're sexy. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, suddenly we've moved into R-rated <laughs> territory. Anyway, my point in all don't of this is... Will. Oh my Sorry. gosh. <laughs> okay, get it out of your system. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> Food leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Hey, Yoda, we're on a negative. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. So my encouragement is put something in God's hand to multiply. Yes. Even if there's stuff that you're thinking, man, I should list that on Craigslist. You don't get money by thinking you should list stuff on Craigslist. You do get money by listing on Craigslist. Right. Martin Smith of Delirious Fame. Yes. I read an interview with him and he said, it's funny, Britain and America has two different thoughts regarding money in in Christian circles. Mm -hmm. He said, in America, it seems like wealth is seen as a sign of blessing from God. Right. Whereas in Britain, wealth makes you feel like you're grubby and sinful. Oh, wow. And I thought, I mean, I, I haven't been in Britain for so many years to know if that's true, but I realize I've grown up with some sort of grubby like i'm more familiar with the verses in scripture about the love of money is the root of all evil right than i am about god's abundance and and blessing and i realize god's had to work overtime on the shyness in my heart regarding money oh wow that's a good realization yeah yeah all right anything else you want to say about tithing giving or producing yeah i think it would be um just good if we prayed for our listeners today okay okay are you going to do that or would you like me to? Uh, well, you can do it. No, you pray in a Yoda voice and see if God answers you. Really? No. <laughs> pray normally. Oh, that was going to be fun. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you that you're amazing, that you are wonderful. You're a wonderful dad. You're a fantastic provider. And Lord, we, that we don't need to worry about anything at all. Um, because you are on the throne and you know what's going on in each one of our lives. And Lord, I ask that um, for anybody that's just entering into the journey of of learning to tithe, Father, that you would meet them in the midst of that and you would remove every stronghold of fear and help them to just press into uh, knowing the, be- the blessings that come with obedience, Lord. And Father, I ask for, for all of us that you would uh, give us stuff to give away, that you would move on our hearts when you want us to give, Lord, that you would show us things that we can uh, be generous towards, and Lord, that you would help us uh, with ideas and inventions and songs and and things that produce um, so that we can be uh, representing your kingdom wherever we are and be generous people. Amen. Amen. All right. Do I have a listener's question for you that dovetails perfectly with what we've just been talking about. Oh, okay. So this is from Hannah, and Hannah wrote in, and she said, Hello, exclamation mark. I listen to your podcast regularly, thank you, and visit Emanate sometimes when I come to visit my brother, and I hear you talk all the time about how God is going to bless me with abundance when I expect and believe that he will do so. And she wrote, paraphrased, obviously. I have a hard time understanding how God wants to bless me a middle-class, white, privileged American, while there are so many people in the world who experience homelessness, poverty, oppression, etc. How can I justify and accept my blessings when so many others go without? In summary, I have a difficult time believing that those people suffering just aren't being positive enough to receive God's blessing or don't have enough faith. 
do I have a faulty understanding of abundance and blessing? It's a great question, Hannah, and I'm glad that you asked it. I don't know if you have a faulty understanding of abundance and blessing. I think you might have a faulty interpretation. It it sounds like some of the stuff that you're asking would be an interpretation of an extension of the stuff I've been saying. Like what it feels like you're saying is, oh, so because you're saying this, then X, Y, and Z follows. And I don't I don't necessarily agree with how you got to where you've got with your questions, but I have thought similar sorts of things. So your your answer's probably worthy of a better one than I think I can give. But but the way I think about blessing is if we abstract it from money, if we take money off the table, and let's talk about blessing not in terms of money, um, which is somewhat ironic given we've just talked about uh, money for this whole episode. Although I will say it's the first time in 124 episodes that we have talked about money, so I think there's some balance. But if we take money away from it, and if I was to ask you, Hannah, just this question, does God want to bless his children? even the children who are homeless and in poverty and oppression, is it clear from the Bible that God actually wants to bless his children? I think nobody would have a problem with saying, yes, he absolutely does. And if you were just to look at scripture, for example, Genesis 1, right the first book of the Bible, the first thing God does after creation is to start blessing us. It's amazing. Number 6 Verse 24 is a prayer. May the Lord bless you and protect you. So the problem isn't so much with the fact that God wants to bless us. It's that we become uncomfortable, I think, with the thought of God blessing us. Like, it's interesting that you say, I have a hard time understanding how God wants to bless me. That is a very common thought. I have a hard time understanding why God wants to bless me. I know on on days where I behave terribly that I'm astonished that, that God is so relentlessly kind. King David, who was thoroughly blessed by God, had a problem understanding why God wanted to bless him. And he was just like, God, you've given me so much and now you're going to give me even more. I think part of the journey that we've been on is reconciling our hearts with the fact that God wants to bless us and that it's not grubby to agree with that statement. And I th- I don't know if it's shame. What do you think it is? Is it poverty? What is it that keeps us feeling uncomfortable with God wanting to bless us? Uh, it might be shame. It might be uh, just general unworthiness. Lots of us are taught from, you know, f- if we've grown up in the church, that basically you're we're a worm saved by grace. And, you know, you know, not, not, quite those words, but you know what I mean? And so, so it feels like to expect God's blessing or even hope for God's blessing is, is maybe a bit much because you're, you know, after all, you're just a sinner, you're just a worm, you know, we're actually, God's love for us is so much greater than that. Um, Right. So I think some of it is actually not actually understanding who God is in the first place. I was reading earlier in my Bible and I came across Psalm 119, verse 58. It says, with all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you've promised. And I I notice a shift in my heart from, you know, this kind of, not ambivalent, but like, I, I want to be so holy that I don't want to ask for blessing because that somehow is, you know, tarnishing to the purity of mm-hmm. my, you know, character. But then I see in, in, in the Psalms, David just said, no, I, I want your blessing. And that coupled with the fact that God does want to bless me has been the mind shift that I've had where I'm like, okay, God, you say you want to bless me. Blessing isn't bad. Therefore, I'm going to look for it and I'm going to ask for it and I'm going to expect it. And I'm not meaning to say that people who aren't blessed aren't doing the right thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I think it's really um, prone to error to think that way. Like I see that when whenever we teach on healing, and we'll teach on healing and we'll demonstrate healing and we'll make a statement like it's God's will to heal. And I want you to understand that God wants to heal because if you don't believe that God wants to heal, how can we pray with any expectation that God will heal? Right. And rather than going, yeah, that's great. And I see that in the Bible. People will go, yeah, well, if God did want to heal, why are so many people not healed? And I'm like, that is faulty reasoning. We we can't say, we can't question scripture based on our 
perceived lack of understanding of what God's doing. Right. And I, I, so I see that all the time. And so I see the people who stay stuck like that rarely see people get healed. But the people who are like, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know I'm more confident in the fact that God wants to heal than I am confident in the answer to that question. They see tons of healing happen. Cool. Oh, bless you. You're just super tired, aren't you? I am. I, I realize I'm fading. I have sandy eyes. All right. Let me leave you. <laughs> let me leave you with a final verse. Hebrews six fourteen. The Lord says, "I will certainly bless you." I notice that we often do a dance when we go out for dinner. So, and so, Hannah, I want you to imagine that AJ and I are just taking out for dinner. We're, we're eating dinner. Mm-hmm. You're in town, and we are having some amazing tacos. And the bill comes. And I grab the bill and say, no, no, I want to pay for it. Are you okay with me paying for the bill? Or are you like, no, 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 I can pay my own. No, 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 no. I had no expectation you were going to pay. No, 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 no. This, no, allow me to get it. And are you going to fight or are you going to be okay with, with us buying your dinner? See, because the desire is on our side to bless, but I find some people don't want to let us pay for dinner. Yeah, like they fight you for it. It's embarrassing for them or they feel awkward. And that's the kind of challenge. That's the dance that I've had to do with God. But in summary, the reason we are blessed is because of who God is. It, mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with us. It's his nature. Yeah. But another reason we are blessed is so that we can become like him and bless others. So we are actually the answer to the question that you, you asked, like, how can I be blessed when all these other people don't have blessing? Uh, the wrong that I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think how can I not be blessed by God so that I can help solve those problems? Like I think God wants to bless us so that we can be a resource to bless other people. Absolutely. Bill Johnson, I heard a great sermon. He said, "If we don't have a theology of blessing, we condemn the poor to poverty." Wow. I know it's just it's Bill being Bill. So Hannah, I'm sorry. That's a very very fast treatment. It is a brilliant question. Um, and, and I love that you asked it and I hope our musings helped you somewhat. All right, baby, your dry, itchy eyes, I can see. Let's wrap this thing up and we're going to go to bed. They're sandy eyes. What did I say? Itchy. I would imagine if sand is in your eyes, it would be quite itchy. Well, you know that feeling when you're really tired and it feels like there's sand in your eyes? Nope. Okay. Um, so <laughs> coming up this weekend, we have the Heaven Declares Conference. Um, with Leif Hetland and Jamie Galloway, and then with uh, Andy Squires leading worship. So we're super excited about that. And it starts on Thursday night. So it's Thursday night, Friday night, and then all day Saturday. And you can head on over to uh, gracecenter.us for all the information about that. And if you don't live here, you can live stream the whole event or and watch it and join with us. Yeah, live stream it if you don't live here for sure. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love hearing from you. If you'd like to give us any feedback, go to alanandaj.com slash feedback. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you'd like to leave us a review, it helps us greatly. Go to alanandaj.com slash review. Mm-hmm. Miss you, we will. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone